Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you all again this morning. I'm still wishing that I could be with you all in person in that beautiful sanctuary of yours, but Dick has kept me updated with how you're all doing in these weeks and months of Scattered Church. And I was able to be with some of your leaders for about a half day earlier this month. And I want you to know just how proud of you all I am for how you're embracing the season as hard as it is, for how you're loving each other well, for how you're loving your neighbors well, for how you're pressing into living like Jesus as best as you can in these disorienting months of global pandemic. So well done. And I'm so grateful for all of you. Well, as we enter these next few weeks, talking a little bit more about transformation, what we're really after is lasting change, right? If something has been transformed, then it's entirely different. It's not the same anymore. And so for us as disciples of Jesus, as we keep following him, the journey of the disciple is a continuous reformation, constantly being changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. But I've noticed something. Other people will notice transformation in us by how we respond externally, by our behavior, by what comes out of us. And those external signs are really a reflection of a deeper transformation that's happened internally. We're only going to act differently because something within us, within our heart, within our mind, has been changed and transformed. So outward change, our behavior, the things that come out of us, outward change is the result of inward transformation. So when God does something profound in us, when, it, when, when God does something that cuts deep into the core of our being, that's when we, experience, when we experience change that lasts. And that connection between the internal and external, between what happens inside of us and what comes out of us, that's what I want to talk about today. That connection between the transformation that happens in our hearts and our minds and how that changes our behavior and how we respond externally, that's where we're going to go today. So we'll dive into some scripture. We'll look at some story together this morning. But before we do, I want to set up a bit of a framework that's going to help us think about these things. As we look together at the narrative of scripture, when we look at the overall story in scripture, there seems to be two themes that emerge that span from cover to cover that give us a framework for our life with God, that give us, that help us understand uh, our life with God, right? And those two themes are covenant and kingdom. Covenant's all about relationship. Kingdom is all about representation or representing the king. Covenant is all about being, how we're with God, the kind of relationship he's inviting us into. And kingdom is about doing. Covenant's more about abiding and being with the Father. Kingdom's more about fruitfulness and joining God in mission, right? Covenant is really about the relationship, how God wants to relate with, with us, that as God's kids, he gives us our identity. He tells us who we are. And out of knowing that we're sons and daughters of the king of the universe, only then can we really understand how to represent him in the world around us. It's like knowing what family we belong to helps us then understand what it looks like to represent the family in the world. For me as a parent, I've had this conversation with my kids so many times over the years. 
probably not so much anymore because they've learned, but in the early days, they would come to me and say things like, but my friends get to dot, 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 fill in the blank. And my answer was always, well, in this family, we dot, 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 fill in the blank, right? Perhaps that sounds familiar. I would tell my kids, you're a Mueller. And because you're a Mueller, that means we act a certain way. It means we forgive generously. It means our words matter. Because you're a Mueller, character matters a lot. Because you're a Mueller, we respond a certain way. We think about others' feelings. We look for ways to serve them. We do our best to love people well. Because you're a Mueller, we work hard and we take responsibility for our actions. Because you're a Mueller, we live a certain way. And so we invite people in. We build community with strangers so that they become friends and then family. Because you're a Mueller, we value being together with our neighbors and friends. Because you're a Mueller, it's just who we are. What it means to be in this family is that we have certain family rhythms. And so Friday night is family night when we're all together, right? And there's something about defining what it means to be a Mueller, what it means to be in our family that give, that, that's given our kids a framework for how to live. And so that's true as we're figuring out what it means to be in the family of God. If we don't understand who we are, then how can we possibly represent the Father accurately in the world, right? If we don't realize how our Father in heaven wants to relate to us, how can we possibly be an accurate representation of Christ our King to the world? So this is really powerful stuff. It's profound. Understanding covenant and kingdom actually gives us a framework to understand how to live out our life with God. And we see it all over cover to cover from Genesis to Revelation. These two themes are all over the narrative or the story of scripture. Remember, if we trace all the way back to Genesis, you've got the creation story where God said that Adam and Eve and all of humanity were made in his image, right? We're image bearers of our creator. That's about relationship. It's about covenant. But then the other side of it is he gave us um, freedom to play an active role in the world that God created, to name the animals, to tend the garden. There was a sense of work and responsibility. That's just how God set things up, right? But then we go back to covenant when we see this picture of Adam and Eve walking in the garden in the cool of the day, this regular rhythm to connect with their creator. Again, it's just the rhythms that God set up. That's what it meant to be in relationship with him. So even in the creation story, we see covenant relationship and kingdom responsibility. Fast forward to Jesus in the New Testament. You see Jesus building this family. What, what did that invitation sound like? He said, come and follow Come with me, come be in relationship with me, come be in the family that I'm building. And then the second part of that invitation, Jesus said, come follow and I will teach you how to fish for people or I'll make you into fishers of men, right? So Jesus gave this invitation into family, into belonging, but it came with a sense of responsibility. So what it meant to follow Jesus also meant learning how to do the things that Jesus did. So as Jesus discipled them, they got to play in the game, right? He sent them out to heal, to cast out demons, to preach good news. So again, you see this, this um, constant connection or pairing between covenant relationship and kingdom 
responsibility. And as each story continues to unfold throughout scripture, throughout the Bible, we see God's heart is all about relationship and responsibility. So God first calls us into relationship, into family. And then as we come near to him, he gives us this picture of who we are, of what his family is like. And he helps us understand who we really are to him. And that changes everything. It forms how we relate to others, how we respond to the world around us, right? That inner transformation, when God helps us understand who we are and who we are to him, that inner transformation that God does in us, it also, it it transforms our external response. So this morning, I want to take a deeper look at the life of Moses, and I want to see how all, how all of this unfolds um, in, his, in his life, through the life of Moses. So let's start by taking a little bit of a look at his story and kind of enter the story of the life of Moses. So what do we know about him? We know that Moses started his life as an infant floating in this basket down the Nile River, right? He's rescued by the princess. He's raised as royalty in Pharaoh's palace as a prince. And so he, he grows up as royalty, but then as he got older, he left the royal court. And when he did, he's confronted immediately with the suffering of the enslaved people. And Moses was so mad when he saw the slaves and how they were being treated that he had this moment of anger and he killed, he murdered this Egyptian guard when he caught this, this guard mistreating the slaves He buried the guard's body in the desert and later found out that everyone knew what happened. And so he all of a sudden was scared of being punished for being a murderer. And so he fled out of Egypt to this place called Midian. I mean, basically the desert. So he goes from, you know, growing up as royalty in Pharaoh's house to now becoming literally a shepherd in the desert. And scripture tells us that he's working for his father-in-law and he's leading this flock of sheep from one side of the desert to the other. And while Moses is on this journey with his sheep across the desert, he looks off into the distance and he sees this bush that started on fire. This is probably a familiar story. Now, when the bush is on fire, that wasn't really the weird part. That was a normal occurrence in the desert because desert plants count on fire for germination. But there was something different about this bush that was on fire because it wasn't burning up. The twigs and the leaves weren't getting black. They weren't being eaten up by the flames. And so Moses stares and he realizes that there's something different. There's something odd about this. And as the story continues, what we see is that God shows up in the fire and he's holy and mysterious and unapproachable And we remember that fire is the symbol of God's presence, right? As we think Old Testament, they followed the symbol of, you know, the, the clouds of smoke by day and the fire by night, right? So all throughout scripture, fire is the symbol of God's presence. And so here in this burning bush, God wants to get Moses's attention. And this is where Moses hears God's voice for the first time. Now, you guys read this chunk of scripture from Exodus 3 already, and what we see is that what God is saying to Moses from this burning bush, in this moment as Moses is encountering God's presence, 
What God says to Moses is profound. He says, Moses, don't come any closer. Take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. But what I notice that, that seems really profound is that the first thing God says is his name. He says, Moses. And as God speaks his name, and as he continues on, what, what God is saying is, guess what? I know your name. I know who you are. I know where you came from. I know your whole life story. I know you. I know everything about you and your mind. In that, mo- in that moment of Moses encountering God in the burning bush, God the Father speaks identity to Moses. This is covenant. Exodus 3.6 says Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And so as God is speaking in this holy moment, Moses hides his face from looking at God. And what we know is that Moses had this deep sense of personal insecurity Trace his life story, right? He was separated from his natural family at birth. And then he has to flee the comfort of of the family that he did know, familiarity, and escape from Egypt to the desert. He's carrying this guilt and shame from killing that Egyptian guard. And so here in this moment with God, God's speaking identity into Moses through this experience of the burning bush, but it's clear that before Moses can fully step into his purpose, the fullness of of his identity, God has to work through some of these insecurity issues and heal him from his past. So here's Moses. He's abandoned at birth. He's a murderer. He's a fugitive. And this is who God chooses to show up to in this miraculous way. And then later to use for this huge purpose Every time, every time, all throughout scripture I see, every time God calls the unexpected, every time he puts his power on display by choosing the unprepared, the ill-equipped, the unexpected, and he does the miraculous through them. But first, he speaks identity. After God speaks identity, then he speaks destiny. Once we understand who we are, and we have assurance of this covenant relationship, then God can move us into representing him in the world. And so God's like, all right, Moses, my friend, I have a job for you. He continues, God continues this conversation from the burning bush, and he explains to Moses that he wants him to go to Pharaoh and tell him to free the Israelite slaves. And Moses is like, say, what? You want me to do what? And he begins to argue with God. I can't do that. In his insecurity, Moses needs to understand covenant. In the culture of the Bible, when covenants were made, it was for the purpose of protection and provision. And so in a covenant relationship, your covenant partner has your back at all times. And so if an enemy comes out to attack your covenant partner and all of their resources are there to fight on your behalf. So covenant includes a promise of protection and provision. And so what does God do? He helps Moses understand this covenant. And he keeps telling Moses over and over, I will be with you. But Moses continues to struggle 
with how he saw himself, if that sounds familiar to anyone in the room, right? Moses continues to struggle with how he saw himself and how big this thing that God was asking him to do felt to him. And so we fast forward into Exodus chapter 4, and I'm going to read 10 to 13. So this, again, this is Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. It says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, O oh Lord, I am not very good with words. I have, I've never been. I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with you as you speak. I will instruct you in what to say. Moses again pleaded with the Lord. Lord, please send anyone else. So here we have Moses, again, who's arguing and bartering with God. Why me? Again, he's got these insecurities. And he's comparing what he thinks about himself to the bigness of this ask that God is, is calling him into. And he's thinking, why me? There's no way that I can do that. I can't even speak very well. I stutter. And what if they don't believe that you sent me? And every time God's answer is, I will be with you. I will be with you. That's covenant. God doesn't reassure Moses that Moses will be able to do it. Instead, God reassures Moses of who God is. That God and all of his resources, his power, and his authority will be with Moses at the time. And then God says, now go. It's time kingdom. I've got a job for you. You've got a destiny. You're going to go show Pharaoh who I am. And so what we see is we know the story. We get the luxury of beginning to read the rest of, of scripture, right? We get to know that in time, Moses came to understand that God's presence going with him was really all that he needed. And he understood that the identity of, of covenant and understanding who you are, the backing of his father in heaven also meant that he got to exercise his father's power and authority. This was a huge revelation for Moses. Once he understood who he was, he could understand the power and authority that went with him. All of a sudden, it wasn't just Moses going to tell Pharaoh to free the slaves. It was Moses and the king of the universe and all of the resources the king has at his disposal. God's desire is that through relationship, he can bring us to the place where we're ready to represent him in the world. It's a process that he takes all of us on. And ironically, if it's, it's often through brokenness where we reach the place where we're ready to surrender and to live, live into our God-given destiny. Now, I'm sure that Moses would have liked to just stay in that covenant phase. In that, in that burning bush where God's saying all the sweet nothings, right? Where he's, where he's hearing God speak identity, where God's healing his insecurity and reminding Moses of who he really is. 
I would imagine that that's a place of safety and security, right? He's there underneath his father's wings in his embrace. Wouldn't it be nice if we could all just stay there? But for God, it had to be relationship and representation. He had to move Moses to the place of living out kingdom. He had to push him out of the nest to go bring God's power and authority to get stuff done. Moses was the fulfillment of prayer. God did hear the cry of the Israelite slaves in Egypt, and he was going to rescue them through Moses. God had a plan, and it involved Moses. What's interesting is that once Moses understood who he was, that inner transformation led to a change in his actions. It led him to be able to respond in a certain way, right? When we truly understand who we are, living into mission or being a a part of expanding the kingdom and the world around us, it's just a response to our truest identity. When we get who the Father says we are, when we have this deep revelation of our identity as a child of God, an heir to the throne, sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, ones who are protected and defended, redeemed and restored. We live into the kingdom because that's just what we do in this family. It's who we are. Covenant belonging. We are in the Father's family. It's where we belong. He's made us in his image. We are bearers of his name. He speaks identity deep within the core of our being. He knows how many hairs are on our heads. He knows the longings of our hearts. We are known to him. He delights in you. Being a part of the family means you carry the family name. You get the family inheritance. You are protected by the covenant family. And because you're in the covenant family, you also get to take part in running the family business. Your dad is also the king. And so you get to take part in the kingdom. You have access to all the resources of your dad, the king, at at your disposal. All the king's army, all of it. And since you're in the family, guess what? The king has given you authority to represent him. And with that authority comes power. So when they look at you, it's as if the king was speaking. So you have covenant identity. The father gives that to you. And living missionally in your everyday life, loving your neighbors in the name of Jesus, laying our hands on the sick and praying for them to be well, having this deep desire that God would show up in our normal everyday interactions. Well, that, that's just what we do in this family. It's simply a response to who we really are. It's who you are. It's how you're made. His imprint is on you. I want to suggest something for us this morning. Our covenant belonging, when we really understand who we are, what God says about us, the family that we're a part of, so our covenant belonging gives us confidence. We become more sure of who we are, yeah? Covenant belonging, understanding our our covenant identity, what the Father says about us, that gives us confidence. 
when we have that confidence in who we are, then that gives us courage to live into representing the king. So internal confidence leads to external courage. Internal confidence in our identity leads to external courage to take courageous missional acts. As we continue to say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? What are you already doing around me? And how do I respond to that? Confidence coming from our covenant belonging and our covenant identity, knowing who we really are, then breathes courage to press into mission. So some of you here this morning, you are in this place where God is reminding you right now of who you are, that you are his. He knows you. He knows your name and where you came from. And he also has a destiny for you that's bigger than what you're currently living into. Some of you need to step out and live into kingdom with all the power and authority that the king of the universe has given you and believe that he is who he says he is. That he says, I am. Now go and I'll be with you. Confidence and courage. Is there an area deep within you that the Lord is, is really wanting to remind you of your truest identity? Are there places of insecurity like Moses where you need the Lord to speak into that this morning to give you a deep confidence in who he is and who, who you are to him? Are there places where you need courage to live into the mission that God set before you? Do you need courage to walk in the identity that he's given you? Courage to walk it out. Courage to step into the fullness of it. Courage to truly be who he's made you to be. Why don't you pray with me this morning? Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the ways that you transform us. And Father, even uh, through the, the distance of Zoom and scattered church and not being able to be in the same room together, God, I pray that you would breathe confidence across uh, every listener this morning. Father, would you breathe confidence in who we are to you? And would you help us? Would that lead to courageous steps that we're able to, to step into the things that you're calling us to in, in our everyday places and spaces? So God, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for uh, the story of Moses this morning and for the things that you're transforming deep within us. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen.